So, a bit disclaimer about today's conversation, um, because it seems like a conversation that we wanted to do on the podcast for a long time. However, because this conversation includes characters who are still in our lives, right? Individuals who are still in our lives. And sometimes when we share stories about our lived experience, worrying about the perception and the discussions and, you know, different things people may feel uncomfortable about being shared, it can make us hesitant to share certain stories. But I think the the truth of this podcast and um what what matters when we when we get at the root of um when we get at the root of our our experiences and what we need to talk about is that sometimes things need to just be shared because you don't know who could benefit from, you know, your story or who else may be going through a similar experience. So I say this all to say, um, recently I had a conversation with our mother, um, and she was going through it, talking about stress. Mm -hmm. And for quite some time now, we noticed the energy of our mother has been different, right? Um, she feels more saddened. She mentions the word depression more often, right? Uh, she's going through a cycle where she's constantly isolating or excessively sleeping. And I had a conversation with her, and at the intersection of our conversation, I'm like, you know, we, we love to talk about intersectionality. Shout out to Kimberly, okay? <laughs> for real, for real. We love to talk about, you know, um, in, in intersectionality, but, uh, really at the center of what she's been experiencing is rooted in her marriage, financial stress, and scarcity, long-term scarcity. And so what made me be like, damn, we got to have a conversation about this is because our mom has been known to be someone who, when she faces things, she can talk about it or, you know, she'll do what she needs to do and she'll, she'll take time to regroup. But seeing her the way that we've been seeing her recently has been anything but that. And so when my mother told me that her mental health was shot, and when she explained to me that when my doctor asked me, why, why am I stressing? This is what the stress comes from. But her not being able to be transparent completely about that because she is a white woman, right? And she may not understand the complexities of everything my mother has had to to balance. Just being a black woman, period. Period, right. And so, um, with that being said, I wanted to bring to the forefront an episode today that centers what we acknowledge and can navigate, right, as, as children when we see our parents go through financial stress, dealing with scarcity, and even sometimes how their relationship can affect the experiences that they have. We're going to have a very transparent conversation about, you know, some of the differences, some of the narratives that we've shared before here on the Broke Black Bougie podcast. Um, but tapping a little bit further about, you know, when our parents have financial stress, how that can create financial stress in our lives and what that means. Um, I feel like we've been kind of reiterating in some sense, sense a common theme for the past couple of episodes we recorded, but 
it's meaningful and, and, and it's coming from different perspectives and there are different topics within this one subject that we've been talking about. Um, but today the discussion is going to be heavily focused on mental health. And before we tap in, let it be known that we are not mental health experts. Not a damn bit. Not a damn bit. As a matter of fact, we are people who are tapped into understanding the importance of having mental health resources in our community, um, utilizing mental health resources, yes. and also recognizing when something is wrong within your family foundation. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into it. But before we do, I would like to welcome you all to another episode of the Broke Black Bougie podcast, where we create candid conversations for young black women. And it's relatable because we've all all been there. Women having to make it on less than our worth, we do so while setting trends, spreading black assness, and ultimately busting our tails to live our best life. And I'm going to pull it over to you, Toya. How you feeling? I feel pretty good. Uh... Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good for the most part. Feel pretty good? Yeah, and and yourself? I'm going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I just turned um, 27. I've been partying all of July. This is the first July where I've literally partied all July. Party all the time. Party all the time. Party Party all the time. And I want to say it feels really great in that sense because I've never celebrated life as much as I've celebrated this year. And I think July, regardless of some of the ups and downs that I face, what is beautiful is that that I'm seeing myself and seeing things unfold that I prayed for a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so to be in a space where I actually see these things unfold, I am grateful, regardless of um, some of the setbacks and hurdles I've had to face over the past couple of months. I'm extremely grateful and I honor um, my progress. And so... On that note, Charlie yeah. and Toya yeah. are going to tap into the politicking segment. And I'm going to flush out some things that I think is very important, right? That we could start first, like, going go to backstrike that reversion on some old school shit. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about some of the things that we recognize, right? With financial stress, mental health, scarcity, looking at our parents' dynamics, then going to looking at marriage dynamics and then going into looking at how that has affected our foundation as a whole. We're going to tap in. All right, so we are back here having a conversation again about family business, Mm -hmm. okay? And I often think about Kanye's song, Family Business, And see, the thing about it is growing up, being taught that what happens in this household stays in this household. I think it was so detrimental because there were so many things happening in our household that was harmful to the foundation of the family unit. Mm -hmm. Whether it was the type of parenting we received, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Aggressiveness, uh, dictatorship, um, the way abuse abusive um uh behavior and it was different from the book for, for the different, definitely different di- for the both of us for the both of us Dif- you know whether it was the way we were spoken to the way we were literally disciplined and the way that affected our relationships with our parents as adults um i think that a lot of things for me i started to share when i reached a breaking point where it was like there was no way that we're dealing with so much trauma 
and this household and we're not healing, but these things continue to reoccur, something has to give, right? right? right. And for the longest, I didn't have access to mental health services. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got access to it and started talking more about, you know, my journey and being comfortable and having a mental health professional help me, it gave me better clarity to know that I wasn't alone, that some of the things that I was afraid to feel, that it was okay for me to feel them, and also recognize that certain things were not right. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember a while back having a conversation with mom and mom telling me, you run your mouth too much, Right. And now her recognizing how important it is to be able to run your mouth to somebody who could help you navigate some of life's hardest chapters. And so the conversation that we had recently as I came back from my birthday festivities and seeing my mother saddened and having a conversation with her saying, this is what I'm stressing over. This is what this looks like. And my mental health is shot. It hurt. Because it was the first time my mother, like, outright, without a, without a doubt, acknowledged that something is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. It is the cause of this. Mm-hmm. And although she sees a solution or some types of solution, there is not enough there to really work with because it also requires her husband our father, mm-hmm. right, to step up in a way that she needs to be supported. Right. And so that creates a lot of challenges. And so in getting that out of the way, <laughs> I want to have, um, I want to pivot and turn into this, this, this discussion of being transparent about what that type of financial stress looks like, what that type of scarcity looks like from the lens of us being children, mm-hmm. then tapping into how we saw it affect our parents individually together, and then going into a discussion about what we see as adults. Now, before, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. But I want to say say this. It is very easy to have a conversation about, you know, some of the changes you're facing when you're out on the other side of it. And it is different having a conversation about shit as you are going through stuff. Right. And today's conversation on this segment is something we are still going through. We are not on the other side of this because this is a problem that has um, consistently affected, you know, our overall well-being. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, we just going to pivot and talk about the ways in which we've seen financial stress as kids. So, I mean, I can't even, you know, I can think far back, but yeah, I don't have like a quote, of course, like the quote unquote time frame. Of course. Yeah, but, old, um, we get it. Not this nigga saying I'm old and you over, you, never mind. I'm over 25 now and my knees lock up and I'm not afraid to admit it. Same nigga. You just got to the point where you're comfortable with being old. Okay. Anywho, um, just seeing how um, financial role, financial woes affected our parents from my childhood, from my child eyes. Um, there was a lot of things that I've that we've experienced, lights mm-hmm. being cut off. Yep. Um, 
food insecurity, mm-hmm. um, going to the food coverage, coverage, yeah, <laughs> um, and yet seeing how the communication wasn't completely there mm-hmm. with dealing with, excuse me, with dealing with some of these financial woes, yeah. Because, of course, you only had one person in the house who was the breadwinner, which was, of course, our father. Mm-hmm. And you have four mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. You have to put clothes on our back. You have to put, of course, uh, making sure we have a place to stay, something over our heads, of course. You mm-hmm. had to make sure that certain things, certain bills had to be paid. And I say certain bills because there was times where we there pick, was... Pick and cho- pick choose. And choose what, was the, what was the most important bill to pay for mm-hmm. that particular month. But seeing the quote-unquote lack of communication when it came down to the finances, it wasn't really a transparent conversation mm-hmm. from my eyes as a child. So you hear the small talk here and there about what needed to be paid the next following week, mm-hmm. you know, and what was going to be left over, and yet we had to make, we had to make it stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to make it stretch to... to, to uh, for the two a couple more days a couple here. more days or that for the mm-hmm. two additional weeks after getting paid and yet now you're tapped out and you know the conversation like well we need to just figure out like what can be paid mm-hmm. and what can happen like if we can call these people to have an extension right you know but just hearing those conversations was 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 troublesome as a kid i know you used to you know, we were taught to stay in our stay in the child's place. The child's, they love that but girl. at the same period of time, you can see the stress that it was taken on, not only you know the family, but yet the sole person who was the one that was providing with the income, which was him. And how it was affecting us as as kids, not being able to have certain needs met, right? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Seeing how, for instance, back to school. Mm-hmm. Um. Those the, are the worst the, times. The worst, Ooh, it, 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 it was the worst times for us because we didn't. <laughs> and this, and this, you laugh. We laugh at it now, but yeah. yet at that moment in time, being the child, thinking that you're going to get the necessary supplies, necessary school clothes, necessary whatever you know, the, the necessary hairdo you know mm-hmm. that most kids get when they when they before they go back to school, we didn't have those opportunities like that. So it was more so of us constantly asking mom, mm-hmm. like, Provisor. is he going to be broke by the time? You know, it comes for us to go for school shopping, and school shopping for us was delayed. Always, it was always delayed. It was always delayed. It was like we were always starting school late, late because a pay period falls on you know a certain time. Mm-hmm. And the thing about poverty that I think people forget is that when you grow up poor, you don't have the 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 wiggle room to plan. No. As other people do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your planning looks like once I get paid, I take care of X, Y, and Z. If I got something left over, good, I ain't going to be on bended knee. But nigga, I just might be, mm-hmm. right? That's right. How, that's how the planning looks. Right. And so we constantly obsessed over that because we knew, damn it, we started counting the days just like, all right, well, school start on this day. I ain't going to be able to make it to around the 10th or 11th to have mm-hmm. my school supplies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the other things that I need, we're going to make it work. And then right. uh, we're probably going to get the rest of our stuff, this, that, and the third. It just wasn't certain, certain things, certain things that were basic necessities 
wasn't a, a priority. Not at that moment. Mm-hmm. Especially when it came first to making sure that we had some, a place over our, our heads and food in our stomach. Mm-hmm. And yet, too, when it came down to Barely. Having, <laughs> yeah, barely. But yet, still, just having something. Yeah. And yet, too, with electricity. Mm-hmm. But even that was a stretch. So, seeing those avenues from a child perspective, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, you know, what were some memories for you as a child, looking through the lens from your eyes as a kid, with what the financial woes was taking the toll on mom and dad? I would say stress. Literally just stress. I remember where there were moments in grade school where mom would come down. She would walk down to the school and take me out. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm getting out of school early. But it's like, no, baby, you getting out of school early because the lights is off. And we got to handle this motherfucking situation. And I got to call the heat office to, to, to see if we could get some support. And I keep telling him, put this shit in my name so that we could do X, Y, Z. <laughs> like, you hearing those type of conversations. And it's just like, hmm, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you learning how to have survival as an adult. you like, oh, if my lights ever get cut off, I know how to grab some Vienna sausage, some pot of meat. I get a cooler, get it popping with the with the water, get that blue damn cooler that will come in handy every time. I know that if I have a candle, not to walk throughout, you know, at a certain time, you can't walk through the house with a candle. First of all, niggas can see that shit you know who live in close proximity to you and also you don't want to set nothing on fire (laughs) right right, 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 um even the smell and the scent of those struggles still stay with me to this day but i remember those as images as like as those are constant images that stay in my mind of like that being stress Mm -hmm. and then i remember the food conversations which was like oh hell no like i can't believe that that these conversations are happening, arguing, well, we need some food in this motherfucker. And being, like, frustrated, not only at the fact that nobody is making enough, but also there are certain conversations that are existing with them. Well, with your non-driving ass, well, I'm the one who bringing in the money, but it ain't, it's like, I should really though, because it really ain't, you know, you bringing in something, but it ain't like, it's enough to create the stability that's needed because... You are in a underpaid, over a uh, underpaid, um, understaffed, right, mm-hmm. um, low wage position that's not paying you your worth, mm-hmm. right. And I think those conversations and the foundation of what we what we heard, listened to, saw, continue to creep up even well past our journey into college even well past certain experiences that, that, that we saw mm-hmm. um, where we thought like things were getting better, but clearly they weren't. They weren't. And so the financial stress wasn't only about not having needs met, but how long people were dealing with scarcity mm-hmm. to the point where we started telling ourselves that, all right, if this week is going to be a rough week, we need to figure out how we can make a box of hamburgers work for the next two two weeks Mm -hmm. or maybe we only eat once a day right we just wasn't getting enough we started in our mind stretching every aspect of our lives not only our finances but what we had energy to do and that was as kids as kids uh, family members we would go see how we would have certain conversations about what's going on or what's happening it just wasn't really normal and at that age i also recognized that we started being sheltered a lot more now you know when I say growing up sheltered some people think it's related to oh you know were you in a conservative household did you have family members that were no. da, 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 da. no this type of sheltering is 
a, a, a sheltering that exists when you don't when you are so embarrassed and you don't want to tell anybody what it is you are going through. Mm-hmm. And so you isolate yourself from people who love you. I ain't talking about the 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 people you you create boundaries with because they're harmful, but the people who actually love you, who are here for you, you isolate from them. Right. People don't see you for a while. Mm-hmm. They only see you when you got coins, but you're not able to come out to this barbecue. You're not able to do this, right? And then the type of conversations you have consistently are around financial trauma. Because that's the only conversation you know of. Yeah. And... um. You know, the sheltering that we experience at 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 at, at uh, um as children. Yeah, um, yeah. It was more so for protective measures. You know, not not not. I'm not saying not protective measures from the harm that may have been by somebody, but I'm just saying the protective measures for that individual. I think. Meaning. There was a there was a lot that was happening at at the home front. Absolutely. And of course, nobody in our family knew what was happening. Absolutely. It was more so a good front. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, in front of people, even friends. Mhm. And yet people want to say, you know, oh, they they doing so good. This and the third they got this that happening whatever whatever, but not realizing that behind that facade, mhm, was the pain. Mm-hmm. Was the denial? Yep. Was the stressors? Mm-hmm. That you know, in some instance, whether it be food, whether it be the rent, whether it be bills, mm-hmm. it wasn't enough to get. It, it wasn't enough to get by. to get to get us through to get by. Mm-hmm. So I say the protecting the, the protection was for for him, meaning. I don't want this to get out mm-hmm. because they're being asked certain questions. You know, I don't want it to to, uh, to to just slip up out of the blue. And now all of a sudden I have to answer, answer to that. Now mm-hmm. I have to come up with something that's going to brush that conversation off. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just think that in, in certain ways of how he moved was just for protective measures. From, you know, because of the things that he was dealing with that he was embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. And yet, too, when you're not willing to ask for help, you know, people don't know you're suffering. So we got to let that simmer for a, for a second. When you are unable to ask for help. People don't know you're suffering. People don't know you're suffering. No. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say I've never heard my father be so vulnerable in the midst of the things that he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. It was more so him having this, I want to say macho facade as if I got to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you need help. Yeah. That's not something to, to tag at your ego. Yeah. That's not something to, 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 to downgrade you being a man. It's just the fact that you honestly need help. Mm-hmm. And I think based on traumas that he may have dealt with in his past with as a family child, and with, with family, money, with yeah. money, yes, mm-hmm. that has trickled down in his adult years. Yeah, now dealing with his own family. Mm. So, and I also too want to say say this: there was fear. Absolutely, was, there, you, 
operating out of fear, you 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 do the most reckless thing and think that it, that it's it's right. Mm-hmm. But yet not realizing those who you are harming in the midst of that, you myself and mom. I want to ask you something. Yeah. And not not that we progress from. You know our child childhood years absolutely through those lens. In what in one moment, you know, in 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 one moment, I wanna I wanna focus on is when you were transitioning from high school to college. Mm-hmm. What looking through those eyes at a very young age, you think you were like eighteen, nineteen when you started your undergrad year? Um, I turned eighteen during our pre college, like our pre college program. Through your lens, yeah. this was very tricky for us, for the both of for the both of us. Yeah. When you were in your undergrad year, undergrad years, excuse me. What was your take on the financial woes then? Because it affected you hugely. Um, I think when I started encountering other people who lived in poverty, but also lived very differently than me, who lived in poverty, but has, you know, certain needs met, who were poor, but, you know, there were still certain things prioritized. They had good relationship with their parents. They didn't deal with parents who, um, I'm not saying who didn't have mental health challenges, but had, for the extent of what we experienced, that was really like, no, something is not right for you to be operating like this and for you to force us to operate like this. That's when I knew that something was wrong. And I think when I got to college, it kind of, it, it informed my consciousness about growing up things that I experienced that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And it informed my, um, awareness about things that were so wrong. Mm-hmm. Because, I remember feeling financial stress in school, trying to use my dining card to help feed the family back at home because I knew certain things were wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like this, this individual line where back at home, this shit is going on. I'm on campus. I'm living in a completely different world, kind of isolated from things, but also not too isolated. And I'm having conversations and I have to ask my mother when I'm having conversations with her, what did she eat today? I think that was the, that, that was the start of me asking that question consistently mm-hmm. because I felt in my spirit, she wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. And I knew, knew it was like, here's this perception that me going to school is going to resolve all of the problems in our household. When we have such a, a long relationship with scarcity, it is literally affected the way we feel, think, experience, live life. Facts. You know? And so it was hard for me because there were things that I needed, a tuition bill being paid. Um, I needed, you know, to be able to participate in certain things. I needed, you know, resources for like my first year when I really wasn't working as much. Mm-hmm. I needed certain resources and I couldn't really go go back and, 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 and ask for support. And there was a moment where anything that I asked for with our parent. It became a no, 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 no. And I'm like, essentially saying to myself, what the fuck am I, 
here for right. you know what, what what's the scope of our relationship and i think our relationship was scattered a very long time mm-hmm. ago because of um the relationship with abuse and you know the 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 this the the his type of disciplinary you know um uh, uh tactics that were just way out of pocket um and him being very harmful in a way where no parent should show up in that way with their child right and so to come to college and needing family support needing to be able to be like yo i need about 20 dollars i need i need this i need to be able to do books that in the third it forced me to take on three jobs when i was in school it forced me to take on credit card debt it forced me to try to be a solution to my problem um, to the problems that I was having, but also to try to be a solution to what was going on in the house. And I just didn't have the capacity nor, I didn't have the mental capacity nor the finances for it. Mm -hmm. And so it created a lot of resentment for me Mm -hmm. because I see the financial stress that, you know, the parents have, have gone through and how it shows up and affects their relationship, but now it's affecting me. And then I get out of undergrad and I go to grad school and it's the same shit. You know, and some people will be like, well, now that you make a little bit more, now that you have more stability, now that you are an entrepreneur, now that you work, I'm a, I'm a working entrepreneur. I work my nine to five. I work my little side hustles and then I have two businesses. Great. Right. But why isn't that enough? It isn't enough because the type of poverty that we come from, right, um, that's the, what I make is only su- good or substantial for one, one or two people. Right. But you talking about a family of four, right. Or, or a household w- w- of, 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 of four people or tacking on three other people. It does not do a lot. Your spending power shrinks, mm-hmm. you know, your savings shrinks, mm-hmm. what you have access to shrinks. And when you take on the financial burdens of others, there's no problem with being able to assist. But when you're pouring and you're depleting from your own needs and no one else can come to save you, you put yourself in a boat where you have to focus on taking care of you first before you can help. Facts. So that you can be able to assist in a way where needs can be met and you are not struggling. But you also have to know that there are certain boundaries that exist and you can't give everything that's on your plate. And you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. That's not how it operates. And I think we had to learn that from, you know, from a very young age mm-hmm. that I'm not supposed to be giving all of this mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. I need to have something as a cushion for myself. Right. I just think that us as children, the things that we that we've experienced, it was more so of us tr- truly, really coming from the heart and just trying to help with the helping hand, and not realizing, you know, there was a hole that was in our pocket that money was just falling through it, and we couldn't, we couldn't, up, uh, we couldn't keep none for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there was also an expectation that when we started to begin working or 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 get money or you know get salaries that it was like you gonna give me give me give me give me and I'm like well that's the fucking toxic approach because there's a difference between being able to help and wanting to help mm-hmm. which we which we which which we did and we knew the capacity in which we could mm-hmm. but also this this sense of enabling right um and being a bank right to to a parent that we know struggles with spending yeah if if we're being transparent right mm-hmm. because 
in looking at scarcity and financial stress and, you know, uh, the, the challenges of, uh, of our parentals, one parent didn't have any income coming in because she is a disabled person, right? And she's unable to work. Mm-hmm. The other on the flip side, um, is someone who has worked for a long time, um, but was always a spender and not a saver, right? And people all ask all the time, well, you know, what what are you budgeting if you if you ain't got nothing? You ain't budgeting nothing. We get that. We get that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But there's also a scenario where sometimes we have to check the way we show up, right? Or the or, or the way that we affect our shit to be going left. Right. We got to take accountability somewhere. And I think those are some of the challenges that we've seen when we would hear conversations about where you got to do this versus this and how that approach wouldn't be accepted. Even as adults now sharing our, 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 our sense, right. Um, literally and figuratively, right. Um, witnessing some of the challenges that still persist within our, our family dynamic, there's been so much pushback, right? Even when we see a solution, it not being being accepted. No, I'm not listening to that. I want to do it this way. But your way is affecting you. I want to do it this way. But your way is not the best solution. I want to do it this way. But you, this is harming you. I still want to do it this way. You know what I just think about when you when you talk about that? I think about, of course, uh, an abusive relationship. Yeah. Where somebody who is in a relationship with somebody that is beating their ass, but yet somehow they still love to go back to them because, oh, they don't mean no harm by it. And then... It, it's, it's, it's the mental it's, mental it's, health it's, dynamic the, when you're the, affected exactly. by that, that power exactly. dynamic. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, you know... Even with that, like you said, fast forward to us being in our adult years, the things that we, the things that we have sense about, like you said, literally, literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. um, just understanding like, look, like there's other solutions to kind of alleviate some of which is causing a problem for you. Mm-hmm. And yet it's being shot down because this person has been used to this type of dynamic mm-hmm. or set protocol for such a long time that they don't want to interrupt that. Right. And it's right. like, well, if you haven't learned anything from your kids, you know, they, they, people, you know, the, the old saying is you, 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 you learn something new every day and mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. If you haven't taken anything from your children, especially when it has come down to, for, for example, mm-hmm. you know, us leaving um, prior employers, you know, yeah. you being in a, in, into policy work, me dealing with healthcare. We left, those individuals because of the things that we were experiencing that wasn't beneficial to us as employees, as black bodies. Right. So I think about how, you know, some of the things that he has spoke about in multiple, on multiple occasions (laughs) that has still existed to this very day Mm -hmm. with the same old conversation that is funny because one of our, one of our relatives has said, you know, they know that conversation when it leads into it, and yet it's been going on for twenty years now. Yeah, and nothing has changed. But it's it, but it was twenty years five years ago, and it was twenty years five years. It's like, it's like first of all, what is the number? And no matter what the number is, you don't need to be tied to a place that is harmful to you. 
And I think it's a generational thing because our elders believe that when they're working for jobs, I've worked here for umpteen years and da 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 da. That's great, but you don't own it. And then that and here's another one. Most folks don't want to stay at a job for too long. They get it in one year and then they gone. There's a Absolutely. That's me all the way. I will change a job like my draws. Because we are not I'm I will not. I fucking will not. What's that what's what's that what's that phrase? Pay me what I'm worth. Pay me what I'm worth. Shout out to the t-shirts that are on www.brokeblackbougie.com forward slash shop um, that will be accessible back again. But, you know, we in a little space right now with the restock. All right now. Yes. You know, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's just it. Mm-hmm. So when I look at the way that our father has operated with a lot of things that, not have, that has been toxic mm-hmm. to his mental well-being, mm-hmm. it has throughout the years from my child lens yeah. to now yeah. I've seen it not only affect him uh, uh, emotionally mm-hmm. but now also too physically yes yes so it's, 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 it's a process right something that's eating at you that's eating at you for over a period of time now it starts to take a toll on your body as a whole mm-hmm. you know and it is true stress is a silent killer it is a silent killer and you look at a lot of the dynamics that we have seen within the household from mm-hmm. our child lens to now mm-hmm. seeing it through our adult lens because we've been through some shit. We've been through some shit. Exactly. But it's like, okay, so where now do we, do we move from here? Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest challenge. That is the, that's the biggest, the biggest challenge where you have to accept the fact that there is an issue. There, there is, is a an problem. issue. There is a problem. And you have to see where, you play a role in, I don't want to say play a role in your own demise, but essentially play a role in the the obstacles that are facing you. You have to accept accountability. It's just looking in the in the mirror. Starting with the man in the... You, brothers love MJ so much, but don't want to listen to what the nigga say. Starting with, well, you know, I ain't going to say the joke that I was going to say, but more to the story is start with the man in the mirror. That's just it. Take a look at what you see, what what you like, what you don't like. What you want change. And I think it's it's a matter of reflection, but it's also recognizing that like, yo, if things are not going and improving and you keep doing the same thing and it's not progressing and improving, maybe your ass needs to change paths. That's insanity. It when is somebody insanity. is doing the same exact thing over and over oh, again. Oh, it is insane. This is not changing this, the outcome. You think you, you know get what the, the outcome is? You, th- you think you're gonna get the same result? This is insanity. Every day you talking about something. You want a six pack, but ain't doing nothing to work towards you it. You still chewing on that same burger. Okay, like, like that's not. <laughs> it's like make it make sense. You saying, oh, I'm trying to reach this goal. I'm trying to reach this goal. But you're doing everything else outside of being able to achieve that goal. Something is wrong. And I'm not saying this only looking at the family dynamic, but also looking internally at myself at things Same. that didn't work out Same. right. Same. Or things I was unable to achieve Same. because at one point I wasn't willing to do the work. Right. Right. But I think you have to be willing to do the work and also tap into how you're affecting mm-hmm the the foundation mm-hmm. of the family mm-hmm. right because as elders once told us there is nothing worse than a broke black man 
And I never understood what that meant. Not saying that all black men are broke and all that. We not doing that shit. You, if, if it applies. It applies. It applies. And if it don't, let that shit fly. But saying that at the core of a man being a provider, being the head of the household, right? Being somebody who um, is a support system. If he is unable to take care of himself, if he is unable to do what he needs to do for not only himself, but the family unit, it crumbles. There's nothing else worse because you're not getting that man in his fullest self, in his fullest form. Because what can he give other than stress? Other than, you know, constantly having conversations about, oh, hopefully, hope could get better. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, get out, out here making it. Yeah, I tell you, boy, ain't nobody got no motherfucking money. It's just like those type of conversations are so draining to the spirit. Mm-hmm. And this ain't no bootstrap theory shit because I don't tap into that. Never did, never will. That's not my spirit. I recognize when you don't have your money in order, when you live in scarcity for so long, when you constantly have to worry about financial stressors, how that affects a family unit. And still to this day, it is something that we are going through Mm -hmm. because those same challenges exist. Even if you got another degree, even if you get a little bit more money, even if you see a little bit more, 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 more progress being made in your life, it might not trickle down to the family unit as a whole because there's healing that people need to do individually that they have not done yet that affects the dynamic. That's just it. Like, But yet, it comes down to that key question. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize there is a problem? No. You see a problem with everything else that is affecting why you can't keep something. Right. But yet, do you understand the underlying reason of such or why this is happening? It's hard to see when you are constantly surrounded and isolating yourself from reality. And I think if we're being honest, one of the things that, you know, I've witnessed as us being adults is literally seeing how the family dynamic has faced so much turmoil because one parent understands and gets where we are. I talk to, 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 to our mom consistently about what's going on. Another day, she wants to isolate herself because it becomes so overwhelming to talk about it all the time. Because we always, no matter what we talk about, it always circles back down to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we have another parent who just doesn't see it in that same way and is not willing to get help, get advice, get support, um, get outside his head. You know when they be like, don't let it go to your head now? Don't let it go to your head now. So much has gone to this man's head that he is not even a piece of who he was a few years ago when he was more active and Mm-hmm. you know um at, at at least exploring just a little bit but the, to to the extent it's always been inside and sheltered like you said that protection that band-aid right that really doesn't cover the wound no now you know it's infected but you just constantly keep that same old band-aid on it and after a while that infection just spreads it spreads it smells um people can see it 
is no reason to hide it no more. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, like you said, you know, let's kind of, let's kind of, kind of backtrack here about when you finally started to express what you've been dealing with mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. I had to get to a point where I understood the release that it gave you to discuss it with people who discussed to discuss the situation that you were dealing with on the home front. Yeah. You know, you're away from home, but, but yet not too far from home. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, just understanding like, uh, this is the dynamic of why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And this is how I've been operating for umpteen years of my life. And this is why, this this situation is hand being handled the way that it's being handled mm-hmm. because of such and such. Right, right. So when people get a glimpse of that, those who you trust and they understand like where you're coming from with that, it's eye opening. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, for you know, us being trans being that transparent to someone who we trust who we know is not going to use our information to harm us anyway. Right, right. Yeah, just really, you know, seeking out and yet seeking se- seeking help. Uh-huh. You know, that was just our way of calling for help. Absolutely. So, even with myself, you know, in, in my adult years, at my job, I met somebody who I've become so close with, who has, like, really, who became my sister and we became tight. Yeah. You know, me expressing the things that I've dealt with in my childhood into my adult years, we mimic a lot of the things. I mimicked a lot of the things that she dealt with mm-hmm. in her childhood years into her adult years, you yeah, know, yeah. with her parent. And she was like, honey, I don't wear them same shoes. Them shoes ain't gone yet. They don't become gone until you do what's in your best interest for you and you remove the shackles of living for other people. And I think the the honest to God truth about dealing with financial stress and mental health challenges and just constantly living in scarcity, what it does for so long at the intersection of it all is that sometimes it, it, it overburdens the child to the point where they step up and they try to live for everybody else in a way where, first of all, you, you, you start to become conditioned to do that mm-hmm. based upon certain conversations that people have and how people um, um, gaslight you, mm-hmm. right? And to doing certain things that are most beneficial for them, even if it is harmful to you. And then when you get older, you get into the role where you feel like you have to do these things just to keep things afloat or to keep peace when really it's eating you up inside because the peace that you really need is to let go. That's me. And you, you just, can't you just, do you, it. You just described me. Absolutely. I, I know that. You know, and you can't do it when you are, are shackled by the expectations of other people. And sometimes it's like you got to remove yourself out of family dynamics that you've outgrown. And we don't get to that point until it's too late. Until we got the resentment, until we got the debt, until we got the stress, until, you know, our body is being affected by some of the challenges that exist. And then you, you wonder, Mm -hmm. in your adult years, are you worthy of having anything else besides this? Mm-hmm. Because that's been the norm for so long for you. Mm-hmm. And you 
you begin to try to piece together what used to be your life before everything if that makes sense or what before you be, rec- yeah. before you recognize that there was any issues within the family household of financial woes of stress emotion you know emotional problems all that other stuff you know really when you when you when you when you think as a child you know about the simple things i think for me nothing was really that simple you know like even now like i just turned 27 but i'm so eager to think about what 30 is going to look like for me mm-hmm. because i know what i've seen and i know i don't want that for myself mm-hmm. i know i don't want to be financially strapped i know i don't want to have to deal with being on bended knee and trying to live for everybody else i know that i want to be in a better place in order to help and assist and get things right and here's what you, here's what's so key to help and assist. That's not to say necessarily say permanently be the go to person. No, 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 not 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 anything per- permanent, but 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 more so. To... I want to be able to see some things progress, and I want to be able to live my life. Yeah. Right. And I think me making the choice to live my life and to do things that make me happy made me recognize like this is what living is about. This is what being outside is about. This is what all the joys and all of the all of the things like that's what's up. That's what it's about because um, there's a lot of challenges that affect you know your 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 peace. And I think for so long I would have conversations, especially when I was in OBS, having conversations and just becoming so drained. Like I can't believe that this situation is happening again, or this is going on. And then trying to find my role, and then recognizing maybe your role is providing support. Maybe your role uh, be is it, that support looks like having an ear. Maybe it looks like creating a space. Maybe it looks like getting a tighter budget, you know, to be like this, this could go towards sending stuff back home. Maybe it looks like, um, being real about what my capacity is. Mm -hmm. And there were certain times where I would block having certain conversations because I recognized what it did to me. It destroyed me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to, to be back and to see certain dynamics still continue, I recognize that, it, it's just not up to me to be a part of the solution. No. Everybody has to be... A, a, has a, a role key, to play. Has to be a key player in this. Including and those it, who are most harmful. And including those who are most harmful. And if that can't happen, then progress can't be made. But it's not on me to take that on and internalize it because that's not a me problem. Right. And people don't learn that because they feel so guilty. They feel so guilty. That's why people got family members who go on and start their lives and be like, oh, this motherfucker here stingy. This motherfucker here don't want to wanna be around nobody. But that's not. No, we only see him once, two times a year. But how many times have y'all went, have y'all talked to that brother since he moved to see how it, how it was starting his life over rebuilding? Have y'all <laughs> talked to that brother? I'm sure you have not. Have you offered a food box to that brother? Have you offered to pay a bill to that brother? He probably was down and out. Nigga probably had to live on his mattress before he got his house established. And all you see is the house established and think that that shit is sweet. Right. Sometimes people see you in your happy moment and they don't see anything else that exists in your life. They think just because you are showing up as happy that that's an excuse to ignore the pain that you have in your life. And a lot of times that happiness is just the release of saying, finally, I'm able to do what I want to do. I'm able to breathe. 
I'm able to exhale, literally. Uh, sometimes it's wrong, and sometimes it's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shout out to Whitney. Whitney a bad motherfucker. Okay, shout out to Whitney. But absolutely. And I think because we are not on the other side of this. As of yet. As of yet. Um, some of the things that we could just recognize is just how we talk about it. How we recognize what it is that we have to do. How we navigate through that. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, I do spend a lot of time talking to my loved ones on the phone. You know, my best friends. Like, I cannot believe this shit. This is what I have to deal with. You know, you can't pick the families you are born into. You can pick how you choose to navigate it as an adult. But certain things can literally kill you. And I don't want the years of what we experience and, you know, seeing how how this has shifted our dynamic now. I don't want to be 35, 40 dealing with this. I don't either. <laughs> you know, you're going to get to 35 a little bit more before me. By the time... The shade you keep you, throwing at by my By the time ass. you be 36, I will be 30. And I can't believe <laughs> Okay, Toya. No, but seriously. That's true. It, it's it's true. But, yeah, by the time you be 36 and I'll be 30, I ain't trying to, you know... You know, I'm trying to be married and, and have some babies. Same. You know, but I don't feel like... I don't want to bring my children into a world, into a family dynamic that is so fucking draining. You got to be shitting me (laughs) if you think (laughs) I'm going to have a little Charlie in this motherfucker. All I thought was uh, my boy off of five heartbeats. Dang. Toya, please. But no, for real though, like you got to, you got, it's. You know, got to be ashamed. It'll be a damn shame if I... Sorry, you know. And I know people to this day, let's be honest. I know people to this day who didn't have a relationship with their grandparents because they were so fucking tragic to their parents. And it was like, oh, they passed. And they was like, well, yep, didn't know him. <laughs> it's like, what? You didn't Ooh, know him? don't do this because I thought about a joke. I'm going to hold it. You know, just please hold, please hold it. But it'd be like, What? You know, th- this how people grow up and be like, I ain't fucking with this motherfucker. Because let me tell you something. Anything that is harmful to me has been harmful to me. I'm not bringing my child around this shit. Oh, do I, ha- do I have a grandparent? <laughs> you do. We well, acknowledge well, one. Well. <laughs> we acknowledge one. Well, I was thinking two. No, okay, I was thinking, I was thinking one. one. Okay. Well, I want to know. Well... I, I don't know, baby, okay? But all I can tell you is, you know, on my side, on your daddy's side, that'd probably be a different situation, God willing. But on your there mama's you side, for the one band, man, <laughs> up, down, lose control. That's the wrong lyrics, but lose control is right. No, we got to guard ourselves. And I think this is a conversation when we talk about family business, we got to guard ourselves from... <sighs> the turmoil. Yeah. By any means necessary. Shout By out to Malcolm. Any, any means necessary. Necessary. <laughs> Yo, shut up. <laughs> I 
All right, so we're going to pivot into the wait a minute <laughs> uh, segment where we talk about things that have made us take a step back that we've been watching, listening to that made us say, wait a minute, like what the hell is going on here? What's going on? Digging a little bit deeper. And I thought for the purposes of this particular episode that no other thing makes sense to talk about in the wait a minute segment other than the P-Valley season two, episode six um, of the show um, where the conversation about stress and mental health and being black and being a black man and black man mental health was being centered on. And when I first saw what was um, uh, people react to the show, Mm -hmm. that um, episode, I was on social media and I was reading and I said, well, there's a character in the show that dies by suicide. Okay, so... um, I don't think I want to see this see this episode, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to read about it. Mm-hmm. And so I read about it, read how all the events happened, what led up to um, the death of uh, this particular character, Big Teak. Teak. Um, I always pronounce his name wrong, but Big Teak. And um, recognizing that <sighs> this episode brought to light the importance of not only checking in on your strong friends... But really leaning into recognizing what is harmful to us, what's around us that is harmful to us, and how sometimes the traumas that we face as children, it is hard to shake when we come out on the other side. And so as someone who watched, literally watched Toya, um, the series, not someone who read about it, um, what was your take and what were some of the things that you thought about? When you mentioned about coming out on the other side, in his in his story, mm-hmm. did he really come out on the other side? Um, seeing this character in this in this in this seat, spoil alerts by the way, yeah, spoil, yeah, spoil alerts. Alert. If you haven't watched it, don't want to hear about it. Don't tap in. If you have watched it, we're gonna continue to go. It's your choice from here on out. Yeah, literally. Um, seeing this character through this season of P-Valley and seeing his highs and lows, mm-hmm. you know, how he would react, you know, like he would go from zero, like literally zero to a hundred real quick, you know, off the love and respect for somebody who we care for. But yet to being the most vulnerable, the most hardest, but yet still with the softest heart, the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, in that particular episode of watching, um, you know how you, you can like sense, sense the uneasiness and the anticipation that something's going to go left mm-hmm. very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to towards about the end of the, uh, of the episode, he goes to the house where he used to stay at as a child. Yep. And... You know, it is now a drug house. Mm-hmm. You know, me looking at it from the outside, I'm like, oh, I'm not what realizing. a nice house. I'm not even realizing that it's a drug house until he gets in there and he starts to maneuver his way through all the individuals that are inside the house. You ever been in a trap house before? Yes. Hey, girl, it's it's a little interesting in there, but yes, go ahead, girl. Um, not 
not the sidebar yeah. um but um him going through and yeah him really making an effort to get to this particular door that's inside this house and the anticipation of how they kind of slowed it down and him going through the house and getting to this door and him slowly opening the door he sees himself as a child mm-hmm. there standing bruised on the side of his neck and he's looking at this child and you can see him beginning to break down but in the midst of him breaking down you hear like in the background of course like it was it was the 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 tragedy that took place that day that particular day it must have been mm-hmm. as a child where mm-hmm. he escaped from harm's way and made made his way into this into this into this closet yeah. You don't see it, but you can hear the noise. You can hear the screams. You can hear the stuff that's happening. And he he is stuck there for a a, a good a good minute until Little Murder comes in. Because Little Murder is outside in the car, of course. You know, they both pull up together, but he, he's the only one that's in the house. And at that time, Little Murder's in the car and realizes that Teat left his gun inside the car. So he brings that gun inside the house and asking T, why would you come inside a you know why would you come inside come inside a dope house knowing that you ain't strapped you know right and they focus on him placing that gun in the back of him on the back of his pants you know Mm -hmm. and as they proceed to leave that house you know fast forward we go to a scene where him and little murder are on top of the car in the woods at night beautiful scene you know, uh, the, with, the, with, the, with the moon and everything like that being out, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, them just chatting it up and talking, you know. You hear a little murder playing on a beat on a car and it's so fresh and so clean, whatever, whatever. And then the conversation gets deep, you know. They make, it, they make their way to the car. Big Teeth is behind the steering wheel and they're chatting it up and you can, you can, you can see that his emotion has changed you know yeah the discussion gets heavier um and he pulls out the gun he places to his temple mm-hmm. and at that moment i think as a as a of course of course at the moment as a viewer watching it the only thing that i was thinking about at that particular moment was um, having him be able to put the gun down, take his finger off the trigger, mm-hmm. and just put the gun down. I didn't want. I didn't want that to end that way for him. Right, right. Because I, I know. Yes, he has been through a lot. He even explained. He even explained the situation to Little Murder of what took place and what he witnessed as a child. Yeah. And knowing that he's been through all of that, my only thing for him at that moment was what I wanted him to live. I wanted him to, I, I really wanted him to not, to not do this, you know? And then also too, you look at little murder being in the car with him, like, like, you know, him also showing, you know, like raw emotion. Like, I don't, I don't want you to do this, you know? I'm not leaving you. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, um, they pan out of the car and you hear the blast and you see the flash, of course. And then 
a few moments later, you see the murderer running out of the vehicle. He's covered in blood. And I think about the trauma that he is going to have to live with forever in a day because of what he saw, what he witnessed. He is permanently changed. Permanently changed. That's the one he loved, you know? And truly cared for. Even if they didn't show up together as a unit, it's someone that he loved and he didn't want to see him He didn't want to see him die. You know? But the truth is... His character died a long time ago because there were things he was experiencing that he didn't get the help for. Coming out of jail, struggling to reacclimate, trying to find peace in a world that don't give a fuck about people being black. How he was so traumatized by the black deaths that were occurring. And we say deaths because we know that they were... Alluding to George Floyd, right? Wasn't it the George Floyd or was it somebody else? I think it was George, right? I think it was George Floyd during the time of quarantine, of course, because yeah, they were they also were, quarantined. It was quarantining, so they were talking about um, the protests, but it, it was wasn't just of... that. It was it was the intersection of all of those things and the trauma he went through as a as a kid is so harmful and. and People later revealed that, you know, um, there's a real story about a black mother in Tennessee who murdered four of her kids and one of them got away, who was the oldest. He survived. Um, And, you know, sometimes how fictional stories tie in um, facts Mm -hmm. from life real things it ties in real things um in order to reach a lesson or or give a lesson to their viewers and i think that regardless of me choosing not to see the episode and recognizing my own um triggers right and how that could be so heavy Mm -hmm. i get it you know i think about you know this 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 whole cast i mean shouts out to them they've uh, fucking amazing Fucking amazing. Absolutely. And to, yo, like, when you see the tears and the emotion of what he was feeling at the moment that he had that gun to his head. Mm-hmm. Like, you felt his, you felt his pain. Yeah. And at that moment, too, and at that moment, too, for me, as a, as a viewer watching, I felt his heart. I'm like, yo, I just, please don't do this. You know? Like, but I, it's... and this, I don't. I th- I just thought about, you know, if it's like a way of being selfish. It is. In that a way, yeah. I I um want you to, to stay here even though you are existing in a space where this is this world is harmful to you. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of us we don't understand when someone dies by suicide, the challenges and the emotions and that they go through. Like I I was reading a book titled Black Women in Mental Health and um when we got to suicide and suicidal ideation, um, I remember the author saying that if someone was to die by suicide, 
you cannot convince them otherwise if they are at that point. Now, some people may be right. Mm -hmm. But for those who have attempted to do it, you can't. It's, It's like... It is a very traumatic thing all the way around. But... We, we're not God. We don't have the power to show up in people's lives the way we think. And sometimes it can be more selfish, right? The way that we try to help and assist people through their mental health challenges. And it's like, where were you before they got here? That's it. Like, where were you before they got there to that point? Yeah. Sometimes you could show somebody so much love and that may not even be enough for what they need to survive because... They are in such a place where the world is dark to them. And so what he came out on the other side of was his peace. Whether or not we liked the way him as a character, he received it. It was more peaceful for him to not have to worry about living in this world. And I think when we look at the way people pass on, we have to respect the fact that like once they do pass on once they transition that we can hope that that they're in a better place than what they were in before yeah and that's just recognizing it's just the fact that the body is gone but the spirit is somewhere where it will be at peace energy never dies never dies and so it'll be interesting to see how P Valley talks about this energy, right? And mm-hmm. how Murder's character is switched, how his songs are affected by what he has experienced and how his relationship with um, Uncle Clifford moves forward. But uh, Chuck Elisa got another week. Another week. Another week, and then we're going to see what's up. Because <laughs> I need I, I need to see what's happening. The way these characters are unraveling, the yep. things that are, the storylines that are unfolding. Yep. It's a lot to take in. Absolutely. Because it's interesting, because I, I forgot that during that time that they, were, that they were filming this series, this season, excuse me, that they were also on quarantine with all of us. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how, so many things has transpired. Everybody, of course, being on lockdown for a period. And you see the different relationships of how they existed with each other. And yet, when things slowly start to open up, how people are moving and shifting, you know? So, it's a lot. But, nonetheless, if you haven't watched the episode, go ahead and watch it if you can. Um, but, yeah, just be very warned about just... You know, the different triggers, you know, during that episode, which they will give you, of course, the warnings before the episode even begins. Absolutely. This episode was a lot to take in. We had a lot of discussions about mental health, mental health crisis, financial stressors, life stressors, things that affect us, um, P-Valley, right? And I think it's important, you know, if we're going to talk about mental health crisis, to provide some type of resource for the Brooke Black Bougie community. Um, if they find themselves or know someone who is currently in a mental health crisis. And so we 
are all right um, familiar with the suicide hotline, um, which was essentially the 1-800-273-TALK-8255 number, um, which has constantly been a a resource for people who are in mental health crisis. Um, However, as of uh, July 16th, I believe, um, the 988 Lifeline number is now active across the U.S., which is a new, shorter phone number, which will make it easier for people to remember and access mental health services. And although 988, the number is being used nationwide now, and there's an entire campaign to get people to recognize that this is a shorter number, quicker for you to access those who you need to speak with, um, the previous number, one 800 Two seven three eight two five five will still continue to function for people um, who dis indefinitely right for people who desire to access services, and so if you need any support, have any questions or concerns regarding um, uh, support services, accessing mental health crisis services, um, in need of somebody to talk to, nine eight eight is available. And you can also visit 988lifeline.org. Once again, that is 988lifeline.org. Getting disconnected on social media can be hard. But the best way to stay in touch with the Broke Black Bougie community is to visit www.brokeblackbougie.com and be sure to sign up for the Broke Black Bougie newsletter to stay in touch with all things BBB, from our newsletter, to our events, to upcoming podcast episodes, to anything that's happening within the Broke Black Bougie community. All you have to do is visit www.brokeblackbougie.com and subscribe to our newsletter by submitting your email. Promise we don't spam, but you're going to be in a note and updated in all the stuff that you didn't know. Keep in touch with the community. <laughs> oh, wow. I kind of play too much. <laughs>